Let's keep going. Chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. Take notice here of the parallels that John makes here from the age to come, this new earth, this new heaven, to the Garden of Eden in Genesis. There are a lot of similarities here. It talks of rivers and nature and trees. There is a slight difference, though, and I wonder if you spotted it. I want to draw your attention to the two trees. If we look at the story in Genesis, there were two trees. There was a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil after God specifically told them not to, and that's when sin entered the world. But in John's description, in Revelation, there's a tree of life, and there is another tree of life. Think of it this way. Each tree represents a choice. In Genesis, there was a tree of life, and the choice is eternal life with God, in His presence, in His love. And there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which represents a choice away from God, with sin and darkness and death. Sadly, Adam and Eve chose the latter. But in the age to come, we have a tree of life, which represents eternal life with God, or a tree of life, which represents eternal life with God. In the age to come, the new heaven, this new earth, is characterized by the secure promise of eternal life. I'll say that again. In the age to come, the new heaven, the new earth, is characterized by the secure promise of eternal life. And there is nothing that can take that from us. And isn't this kind of life in this new heaven that John was talking about, isn't, isn't this what we're desperate for? A life without pain, without suffering, without the weight of sin. That's what is promised to us. Paul in Romans writes this, We believers groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with the eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children including the new bodies he has promised us. We long for heaven, right? We long for a life without suffering because that's what we were made for. That's what we were made for. When God created us, we were made for eternal life. So that's a bit of a snapshot as to what the age to come might look like. But what will our place in this, in this world be? 
What will our place in this age to come be? Will it just be standing around singing songs of glory to God all the time? A lot of us would be very happy with that. Others of us, probably not so much. I love music. I love playing guitar. I love singing. But even I get tired of it sometimes. But the good news is many theologians agree that isn't what heaven is going to be like. One of these theologians, A.A. Hodge, had this to say, Heaven as the eternal home of the divine man, that's God, and of all the redeemed members of the human race, must be thoroughly human in its structure, conditions, and activities. Its joys and occupations must all be rational, moral, emotional, voluntary, and active. So there's a place for everyone here. Heaven is designed for us. Just as Jesus said, it is prepared for us. There will be a place for everyone. He goes on. There must be the exercise of all faculties, the gratification of all tastes, the development of all talent capacities, and realization of all ideals. Everything important to the human soul must all find in heaven exercise and satisfaction. Not knowing what's ahead of us can be scary, but we can rest assured in the knowledge that heaven is designed and prepared for us and to meet all of our needs and satisfactions. If you like gardening, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of gardens that need maintenance in heaven. If you enjoy painting or drawing, then there'll be plenty to, plenty to paint. There'll be plenty to draw. And if you do want to stand around and sing glory to God all day, go for it. And everything we do will be to God's glory. As we finish up, let's take one last look at Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. And this is Jesus speaking to John in this vision. It says this, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I will give to each person according to what they have done. Jesus tells us in this passage that the way we live matters. It makes a difference in how we will experience eternity. And this isn't the first time Jesus spoke about this. In Matthew chapter 19, Peter says this to Jesus. He says, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Saying, what's the deal, Jesus? We've given up everything and we're following you. We're giving you our all. What's in it for us? Are we just following you for nothing? And Jesus replies, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields for my sake. So this is everyone who has paid a price. 
everyone who has given up something to follow Jesus, everyone who has left something to follow Jesus, everyone who has paid a price, they will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. We are guaranteed eternal life. If we declare Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are guaranteed eternal life. But what we are not guaranteed is how we will experience that life. That is up to us. How we live the lives that we have been given today ultimately decides how we will experience the age to come. If you have promised a return of a hundred times what you invested into this life, what would you change? How would the way you live change if you were promised a return of a hundred times what you put in? What would you start doing? What would you stop doing? How will the way you live change knowing that what you give for Jesus will be returned a hundred times as much? Life is short, and so often we can get caught up in the motions, or we can try to squeeze out everything we have, everything we can experience in life. Experience this, do that. If you only live once, you have to make the most of it. And, oh, that's true that we do only live one life, the thing is that Life goes forever. Our perception of heaven matters because what we think about heaven impacts how we live life on earth. And how we live life on earth impacts how we will experience heaven, how we will experience the age to come. And so that's my challenge to you today. How will the way you live change, knowing that what you give will be returned to you a hundred times in the age to come, in this new heaven, this new earth, filled with the glory of God? What will you give? How will you change? Would you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you for your love, for sending your son Jesus to die for us, because without that, we would not get to experience this life that you've promised to us. Without Jesus' sacrifice, we would not get to be in relationship with you. So loving God, I pray that as we go out into our lives, Father, that we would live with the wisdom and the discernment, knowing that the way we live today makes a difference in how we will experience life forever with you. God, give us the courage to live for you, to live for Gaula. Father, once again, we thank you for who you are, what you've done, what you've promised to us, 
God, may we not take it for granted. May we make the most of every opportunity, knowing that we only have one life. But the good news is that life lasts forever. In your name we pray. Amen.